The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You're listening to The Talk of Tournament Water Skiing. This is the TWBC Podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all, and welcome to this two-part episode of the TWBC Podcast. We continue with my conversation with Freddy Krueger and Karen Trulove with more great tales from their story careers as tournament water ski athletes. So with that, let's continue on to the second and final episode. Enjoy. Yeah, we touched upon the injuries, and uh, it, we've we've fully documented uh, Karen's uh, uh, spader injuries, but uh, we hadn't we hadn't really uh, dealt so far with with you uh, on on an ex- on an expansive uh, type type deal uh, with your injuries. Now, you mentioned one of the last comments. You mentioned the crash that you took ski flying, which could have been the career ender for a lot of other competitors. Now you're still, you're, you're still, you're still upright. You're still skiing after, after something like that. I mean, what, what was up? What were some of the major knocks that you, that you've taken throughout the years? The, um, probably the worst, uh, I, I would say, you know, my, my injuries have tended to be a little more, what I would say kind of as a nagging injury where, um, you know, in 2015, we did the ski fly, uh, the world record throwdown event um, with ESPN, and um, training for that and leading up into that, I developed some patella tendonitis. Um, went right from the the 312 world record and turned around and went over to England and, and got used to jumping six foot again, which seemed to aggravate it almost worse. Um, kind of finished out the season and ended up deciding not to go to the, I believe that was the Mexico worlds that we didn't go to. And, um, that was just from that nagging injury. Um, 17 was probably the worst injury I had. And that was the, the crash at the masters, um, in a, which ironically was the first jump. I think I crashed on first or second jump and I knew I was hurt, but I didn't know how bad. And I had the adrenaline going and, you know, it's kind of like Travis Pastrano. always said, you know, if you think you're hurt, hurry up and go before the, you know, the swelling, you know, really kicks in, you know? And, and so I, I took another jump and that was the jump that put me into the finals. Um, and I remember on that landing, you know, kind of feeling, something else give on the landing and ended up uh, later finding out that it was a torn ab muscle, a strained groin, but the worst of it was a strained pubic symphysis, which is in the front of your pelvis. Your pelvis is actually in two pieces. Uh-huh. And in the front of the pelvis, there's like a, a, what do they call it? Like for a saddle horn, they'll call it like a, you'd have on a, uh, on a horse saddle, uh-huh. there's bone that sticks up and there's a, a ligament or a tendon that goes around, wraps around that and helps hold everything tight. So when you walk, your pelvis can move a little bit, but that tendon keeps everything tight, which in essence holds all your intestines and your pelvic floor that, you know, they talk about pelvic floor with women a lot. Um, well, I, I strained that and that Sunday morning, I remember trying to decide if I was going to be able to jump or not. And I remember telling Karen, I'm like, there's, there's no way. Like the, uh, like I said, when I take a step, when I step wrong, I can feel my intestines in that 
moving, like something's not right. And so we, we, I pulled out, um, came home, went and saw a, a orthopedic here in the area. And, and, you know, that became the diagnosis. And it was ironic because this, I mean, he was what, 75 years old, been practicing medicine for, you know, 50 years. And he said it was only the second time he'd ever seen a pubic symphysis event like this. And the other time was from a car accident, which, you know, kind of makes sense. But I was really surprised that, you know, this is only the second time in 50 years this guy had come across, uh, obviously, what was a very unique injury. And so, unfortunately, the flip side of that, when it's a, you know, when it's an ACL, you know, okay, hey, they're going to go in, they're going to repair it. You need to give it this long for the bone to heal. You need this much time for the blood supply to get back to the new uh, ligament there and then you're going to start your rehab and then in you know four months you'll be able to get back on the water you've got these time frames well with this thing it was just uh we have no idea we, you know we'll we'll just so i was going to therapy and it it felt better it didn't feel better but there was this constant kind of elephant in the room that if if i did it again if i crashed again if i got injured uh, it then if i tore it it would be that would be a career ending type scenario. So um, ironically, that year was kind of the first year where we finished with the masters and then we didn't have another event until uh, I think the world's that year was in France was maybe in September. So we had one event in Russia that I forgo. So I missed the, the Russian event and decided that, you know, Karen was going to the worlds and, you know, I was going to go regardless. And, um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had doctor's clearance to go, but decided, yeah, I'm going to try it. So I went over the jump, maybe three or four sets before we went to Paris in my mind thinking, well, it's Paris and it's, you know, it's a rowing. It's going to be, we'll get there and the conditions will be amazing. (laughs) And then I get there and it's an absolute, excuse my French shit show, uh, with all, you know, just rollers and conditions. And, you know, the, the tournament was over for everybody else. And then we had the men's jump prelims, <laughs> you know, it's just one thing after another. But that was, that was the, uh, probably the scariest injury I had. Uh, the rest of it has been, you know, Hey, I, you know, 97 worlds in Columbia, you know, I separated some ribs, um, you know, that took forever, but it was, you know, it was the end of the season. They healed up. It's not that big a deal. Um, bone bruise in my left knee in Oh two. That uh, that one scared me because it took. I mean, that one never really seemed like it would heal up. Uh, it would get better, and then I'd start jumping again, and then I'd ding it again, and it, and it was just this nagging, nagging, nagging thing. Um, so, I mean, again, my. I mean, knock on wood. I've, I've never. I mean, I'm the one that's supposed to be doing the really dangerous event, you know, and she's had. You know, of course, hers were jumping. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But, um, you know, she's had both knees, two C-sections, the, the neck. We didn't re- even refer to the neck, oh, you know, yeah. the neck injury here. She had a couple of years ago with herniated disc and that. Um, so, uh, you know, I've I've been very fortunate. Um, ironically, have crashed. You know, there's that statistic about the I've got more. What was it? I've got more 230 foot jumps than the rest of the guys combined. I also have more crashes yes, than all, everybody else combined. So it's not from, you know, a lack of crashing. Uh, just good luck, I guess. Okay, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little about the, about the the stress and strain uh, that that 
that y'all uh have to put up with nowadays you know because i mean i mean both of you are in your late 40s i mean you i mean you've had fantastic careers you know highly highly storied careers and now you you've you've each got competition that is that is far that is far younger they've probably had their share of injuries as well but they 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 have they have access to you know to to better better medicine right from right from the get-go you know so so te- so tell tell us tell us about what you, what you do so far as conditioning and and stuff of that nature to uh, to basically stay upright on the water Karen I mean it's still a work in progress I don't have a formula that I'm completely sold on yet um I mean I think uh I mean I think of a lot of it is is uh I mean I do think I have good genetics i mean i've had a lot of injuries but um but i think i've also had the ability to come back um from them you know six pretty fairly successfully um so i mean i'm very appreciative of what my body's been you know has allowed me to do over the years but um you know i mean we we certainly try to be aware more than ever about you know how we eat and how you know how much sleep we are getting i mean after kids you really you know you really realize like how important that sleep is um and just uh you know the workouts like we i mean we're we're i mean we were we're definitely we always have i've always worked out um we just kind of keep shuffling around different you know different things that we try and you know sometimes it's um you know, a little bit more cardio based and, you know, sometimes it's more weight based. I mean, mobility, you know, all the things that, you know, everybody sees these days that's, you know, um, out there. But I mean, I think we also just try to stay, uh, you know, give us something that we are that's uh, motivating and, um, you know, something that we find, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoyable. We try to do it together. Um you know, and I mean, it is definitely always, at least in the back of my mind, you know, I'm always thinking, okay, hey, how can this benefit me through, you know, for my skiing? You know, and I think that's something that, you know, I, I do wonder, like, if I wasn't thinking about it in terms of that, like, what type of workouts would I do? Or, you know, what would my mental, um, you know, approach be to some of these workouts? But, you know, I don't know, what would you say, Freddie? Well, well, I can't imagine either of you two playing pickleball with each other. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, Freddie, what's where does your fountain of youth come from? Karen, yeah, um, no, I we've the the workouts in that is. I always refer to Karen as the researcher in the family. So we've, you know, the she. I mean, quite honestly, she has guided us to through the path of the different trainers and the different people that we've worked with over the years. Um, you know, she's the one that's in, you know, in charge of how we're eating and, you know, what we're eating. And, and, and I always, you know, again, with our kids, we refer to it as if you know better, you do better because you don't want to be the kind of person that well, I know this is bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or, you know, and so like Karen said, so much of, of every aspect of our life gets dictated by, you know, skiing or the next tournament or training, you know, so there's, we, I mean, we joke that like, okay, hey, we are getting to an age where 
you know, it's going to be nice to go out with friends and not have to feel guilty if we want to have a beer or some wine or, you know, eat the, the extra dessert or whatever, because for 28, 30, 35, 40 years, whatever it's been of feeling like we're sacrificing and, and trying not to cross a line that we can't get back from, um, you know, we're kind of, <laughs> I guess you're kind of looking over that, that green grass on the other side of the fence thinking, you know, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well someday. Um, but I think the, the, yeah, the main thing is, is a, is a spirit of, of competing, um, which is, is kind of a funny thing, you know, with kids again, going to, you know, the YMCA and playing basketball and watching, you know, that they don't keep score. Right. Well, we do, <laughs> you know, I can I tell have you an exactly. app on my phone. Yeah, but... <laughs> Karen's got an app on her phone and Dash is keeping stats, you know, and Ridge is playing games and vice versa. But it's, you know, if you think about life in general, you know, when you go to school and you you're getting A's and somebody else is getting B's and C's like you're competing with the kids in your class, the kids in your school, the kids in the state, the kids in the country, you're competing for scholarships. You're like, we, we have this tendency to, to shy away from that idea that we're going to compete for something. Um, and I think what we're, what we're missing there is that, you know, we don't want to raise poor sports, but we do want to raise young people that are competing for things. And I mean, at the end of the day, if all you have to do is, you know, I'm here on Lake Huckleberry, a lot of days all by myself. All you got to do is, you know, drop off a, a Taylor Garcia here or a Joel Poland or, you know, Bruce Neville or Scott Ellis. They come and ski here and all of a sudden, you know, I'm winding into a different gear because, Every, every, you know, I'm competing with them every day in my mind, but when they're physically here, oh, oh boy, you know, so, and you turn that up and that's what, you know, I think that's again, from our youth and from our, our early beginnings, Karen had that with April and, you know, Christy being from North Carolina and you're hearing about these people and you're, you know, maybe you're competing with them that weekend at a facility, or maybe you're competing against something, you know, there at the U S masters that you didn't qualify. So you went to Charleston and you're saying, Hey, I gotta, I gotta beat them by three buoys to be competitive or whatever. Like we're, we're constantly living that world. And so to me, that, that fountain of youth that, that people are, are wondering about or referring to is it's a healthy dose of competition in, you know, in, in, in kind of in everything we do. Yeah. That just, that, just that competitive drive, you know, that just, that just, just keeps things interesting and alive, you know, and just gives you that. And, and for sure you get to a point, you know, and again, I think in the most Zen, you know, f- form of it, you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the, you know, that's the goal. And it, and as you do get to an age and you start to bring in some of these, you know, Nate Smith's and Regina's and, you know, and people that are, are, are consistently running scores that, you know, you might look at and go, you know, am I, am I really competing against that or not? Well, then all of a sudden you start this transition of, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, I mean, when Karen was, I want to go ahead and say your age. When Karen was 48, you know, she ran three at 39 and set a record. You know, now when she at 49 this year, she tied that record and she's she's going to want to beat that record. And, you know, so what are you doing is you're competing against, you know, age and, and you know, yourself and your youth. And, you know, like there's this constant. So to me, that's what keeps it interesting and keeps it fun. And, you know, I always we've had I mean, countless parents have come to us and said, you know, hey, I'm. I'm skiing with my little Janie or little Bobby. And, um, you know, can you go talk to them and motivate them? And, 
you know, I always tell them, hey, if I have to motivate your child, it's it's not going to work. You know, you need you've got to they've got to be motivated. I can't motivate them for them. You you know, what I mean, that's what. And so as a parent, I think you're always looking at that. What what motivates my child? Right. Like, is you know, if it's if your kid's crazy about video games and he's not behaving, what do you do? You know, you don't take away the broccoli. No. You take away the video games, right? Like you, so, so we're always and constantly using those motivations, and that. And again, I think the, the cool thing is, is if you really start to look at it and start to understand how the competition works, whether it is with yourself or the or your peers or your the peers of your children, your children's <laughs> peers, whatever, you know, you start to understand like that is a driving force to keep you motivated. Indeed, indeed. Now. The next thing that I was going to go and uh, and touch upon is your is, is your uh, your involvement uh, with your sponsors. How deep that goes, you know, Mastercraft and OJ Props and 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 the rest of them. But you touched upon competition, and there are two people in your family that uh, that are natural com- competition for them between between themselves. When I when I watched and uh, saw the final cut of the uh, the unknown unknown uh, sport of uh, water skiing you you could you could just tell that between those two there were there you know i mean they were helping each other but they were they just couldn't wait to get out in the water and, and just get after it and get after each other <laughs> i mean yeah i agree i think there's a a natural i mean you know i think you I mean, I would say you see it in boys, but, uh, you know, I also feel like you see it in girls. But just, um, you know, being brother, just kind of that brotherly competition. Um, and, you know, going back to what you're asking about, why are we still doing this? I know for me personally, these last few years, it's been very clear in my mind that one of the reasons that I continue to do it is I want them to see me. I want them to have an opportunity to see me compete. You know, I don't know how much longer I'll be, you know, able to you know, continue to, you know, go to the pro tournaments and things like that. Um, cause not, and, cause, cause not many kids have that, have that luxury. Right. 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 You know, and we, I mean, I had kids, you would, uh, you would say, I mean, certainly for the time, I mean, I, I had kids late, you know? Um, so I mean, it is, you know, now that they're a little bit older, they kind of know more about what's going on. They you know more versed in skiing. I mean, I definitely, um, I definitely want them to be able to be a witness to it instead of just hearing about it later, you know, oh yeah, your parents used to do this and see some pictures or, you know, a YouTube video or whatever. I want them to actually be, be able to experience it along with us. And I mean, it's been an inspiration for me, you know, to kind of, to watch them, uh, learn about skiing and competing and seeing how much effort they put into it. You know, it, it takes it back to, takes me back to, um, like the essence of why, uh, you know, why I got started or, you know, just the purity, you know, of it all. Cause I mean, there's so much stuff to distract you and, you know, what's my why and, and is this all worth it? You know? And then if I just look at, you know, just the simple, you know, simple aspects of skiing and why we're all drawn to it. And, you know, I mean, if I go over and ask them, why do they do it? I don't know that they'll have a great answer, but I can, I can see it in them. And I actually draw from that energy. A lot of times when I'm struggling, you know, I want to, I want to, I want, you know, I want to make them, uh, I want to be a good example, you know, for them. I want to, you know, I try to tell them, Hey, this is what you, you know, when you're not having a great day or things just don't seem to be going well, you know, this is how you're supposed to, you know, approach it. And, you know, boy, do I hear my own voice in my head a lot. And I try to act on that. So, but to Karen's point, like wanting to be a good example, 
it, for a parent that's standing on the side of a basketball court or a soccer field or whatever, telling their kid what they should do and how hard they should work or whatever, it's, you know, it, that's good. You're, you're trying to help your kid be better. When you're dragging your kids to the gym and setting them in the corner and saying, okay, listen, you know, these guys don't have daycare, so you just have to sit here for the next, you know, hour and a half. <clears throat> don't move. You know, you can play on your iPad or whatever. Just kind of look up from time to time. And when they look up and they see Karen and I working and sweating and, you know, getting in the car and you're driving home and, you, you know, you're talking about, okay, this is what we're going to have for dinner because, you know, we're running late or whatever, you know, like they're, they are, it's, I've always believed that actions are more important than words. So as she's saying, hopefully they're getting an opportunity to see through our actions that we're walking the walk and talking the talk kind of thing. That's, you know, that's, that's our ideal goal for it. But, you know, the kids, they do compete against each other, but I think it's in a very, um, healthy way, you know, in slalom, you know, dash is is now going to be going 36 and Ridge is still at 30, but they're kind of competing at rope lengths. So, you know, they, they trash talk a little bit. Um, but you know, Ridge was actually the first one to go over the top of the ramp. He went over the top of the ramp before Dash, and Dash is the five-year older. And so Ridge has been a driving force, you know, when it comes to tricks. Ridge is driving that push a little bit more. And it would be so, so, so easy and simple for Dash to, you know, swipe it away or, or downplay it or be negative to it. And he is anything but. He is the most encouraging, the most, uh, he is Ridge's biggest fan and vice versa. But, you know, that, that older sibling carries a tremendous amount of influence on the younger, right? Like it's just, just the way God made us. And I mean, Dash Kruger is an amazing big brother to, to Ridge. And, and, and I always tell him, you know, when somebody comes up to mom and I and, you know, talks about how funny Ridge is or how, you know, cute he is or how good of a skier he is or whatever, he's not complimenting just me and Karen. He's complimenting Dash, too, because ever since Ridge has been mobile, wherever Dash is going, you know, Ridge is, is being influenced by him as much as anybody. So, you know, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that comes with that. And we, we are very... You know, I don't want to say we're hard on Dash, but we're very strict or, you know, uh, whatever I'm looking for there, you know, helping him understand the responsibility of, you know, it's another set of eyes that's that are looking at him besides just, you know, Karen and I, it's Ridge too. And so the, the decisions he makes and the choices he makes not only affect his future, but Ridge's as well. And, you know, if you're going to give credit to, you know, a, a brother who is doing it right, man, Dash deserves it. And how, how do, how do their peers at, at, at their respective schools look, how, how do they look, look on, look on them when they describe their experiences? No, I'm a ski jumper and that kind of stuff. YouTube, baby, YouTube, <laughs> TWBC. Like that's the, that is the gift that these kids have because, you know, when I was in school and I would tell people what I would do, they just kind of look at you a little squinty eyed, kind of nod their head and go on, you know, these kids pull their phone out and they can pull up a video of, you know, Hey, this is me at the nationals or this is me at the king of darkness or whatever. And they're showing these videos and, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, the kids get excited about it and, and, anybody that's never done it assumes it's easy, right? Like they have no idea that the thousands of hours these kids have already put into it. So, you know, Ridge is always coming home and he's like, well, you know, Guy says that, uh, you know, he can do what I can do. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're going to deal with some of that, you know, but, (laughs) 
but no, I mean it's it, and and, and that is, it is this when the when Ridge and Dash found out that uh, the Nationals was not going to be webcast this year. I thought they were just, I, they, they nearly cried, but I thought they were just going to say, hell with it, we're not going. I mean, it was literally that traumatic was, for them. Yes. They, for three days, they kept asking us, are you guys serious? Or are you pulling our legs? I'm like, no, I'm serious. There's no webcast. So, I mean, you, you know, you talk about influences oh, yeah. on the sport and in the future. Boy, you guys are in it. Okay, your take on that, Karen. About their peers? About their peers in, in school, you know, because, um, you know, you in in school in that kind of age you're always trying to one up each other you know yeah i mean well you know it is kind of our our area is a little bit unique in the fact that we actually have the the turn the king of darkness like is right here so um i guess you could say you know it's kind of um it's kind of an advantage that actually a lot of the kids attend the tournament so they're familiar with it they actually got to see the, the them ski so if they didn't like freddie said you know they could break out the twbc i mean even the teachers have been you know gracious to like hey if you'll send us a clip or you'll send us like a video we'll show it up on i mean they have all this fancy stuff these days you know like the smart <laughs> screen i think they call it in the classrooms yeah, um, yeah promethean board yeah, so yeah. yeah you know you're a teacher right um so, I mean, yeah, no, the, I mean, the peers are, I mean, the peers are so important and I, you know, I think it's so cool that they get to, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I felt this way. I'm sure you felt this way, Freddie, like skiing is so, it's such a unique sport that when you say you're a water skier, everybody's ears kind of, you know, you kind of perk up like, well, either, you know, well, that's cool or what's that? Or tell me more, you know, um, you know, if you're, if you say you play basketball or kind of the more common sports you know i feel like people are like oh yeah i already know all about that and i'm probably better than you anyway you know so they don't even <laughs> you know they might not even go into conversation but when you talk about skiing it's like oh yeah tell me more so i feel like it's like almost like an avenue for conversation and and you know a lot of the kids they want to just come over and you know ride in the boat or um you know play in the water or whatever i mean there's so many yeah, yeah go tubing or something there's, there's so many different um you know, so many things that it can lead to. And I think it, it you know, it's an opportunity um, to create relationships and things like that. I mean, we're, we feel very fortunate. To- All right. Uh, equipment. I mean, I mean, between the two of you, you've cultivated sponsorships and uh, partnerships with uh, some of the world's, uh, some of the industry's uh, leaders, Mastercraft, or John, uh, Johnson Propellers. Uh I mean, your respective ski companies, D3 and uh, Good and what um, and what have you, kind of, kind of, kind of take us down that road a little bit and uh, tell us uh, how you got involved with, with with each of them. You know, what was kind of like the genesis and how important their sustained support has been over the years. Well, um, good guidance is is a you know a big part I think of of the path that we took. Um, you know, when I was with Jay there at the ski school, there was, you know, a a certain amount of, uh, companies and vendors that kind of would, would come through the ski school because at that, you know, at that time it was, you know, the world renowned ski school. And so, you know, when perfect pass was trying to figure out how to make the system work and make it feel good, you know, we had one of the very early versions there at Jay's that we, you know, tested and he, we ran it for like three weeks and Jay, you know, typed up reports and this is what we like and don't like and sent all that back. So, um, you know, watching and listening to guys like Jay, but I think Andy Mapple was probably the biggest influence. Well, you're the guy behind the jump switch. No, no, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with the the development of uh, Perfect Pass, other than trying to help 
Um, you know, Bruce Neville and again, the guys that were already down here, I would say in Central Florida, you know, Jay and uh, John Gibbons, I think was was there when we did that. They they wrote up a great report uh, that helped the, the perfect pass guys out. But in terms of you know, the athletes at the time, the, the the big pros that were giving the feedback, that would have been more of the Bruce Nevilles and Carls and Scotts and guys like that. Um, with When Zeroff came along, I did get involved with that very early um, and, and did a tremendous amount of feedback in that. Um, and ironically, the feedback was, let's go to the, you know, at that time, the knock on perfect pass was the bigger jumpers were being disadvantaged. And so the first thing we did was to sit down and figure out how to level that playing field. So um, I actually did an awful lot of uh, just riding in the boat with the engineers, pulling guys like Scott and Kyle Ede and Sebastian DePesquois and, and the bigger jumpers of that time to get their feedback on what they felt, because we knew if it works for them, it'll work for the little guys. But uh, kind of circling back to the, the Andy Mapple, you know, one of the fringe benefits, I guess, of, of you know, when we bought this place from uh, Bruce and Tony was Bruce and Tony had a, a friendship with Andy. He lived right here in Windermere. He was training on you know, the natural Lake Hancock, just a couple miles away. We were, you know, fortunate enough to, to get to know him. And, um, <laughs> and I was never shy about just kind of splintering my way in there to, to, you know, again, to learn. I, I, I think I was, I think Karen, the one thing that's helped Karen and I a lot is we were curious people. I want to know what, you know, I want to know what he's doing to make it work for him and how he thinks about things and how he approaches things. And, and Karen's, you know, she, obviously she's trying to break down how does he stand on that ski and why did he do that to his ski? And why is the tip of the ski worn off? You know, like you're just natural curiosity, but we were able to foster enough of a relationship that I feel like Andy kind of took us under our wing. And, and I remember actually, you know, right here on our property, you know, sitting down and talking with him and him having conversations about as you're, progressing along throughout your career with the companies, you want to be connecting and interweaving, interweaving yourself into their engineering processes, their marketing processes in such a way that when times get tough and they've got to cut budgets or they've got to, they, they're going to sit down and look at it and say, well, we can't get rid of, you know, Andy, or we can't get rid of Freddie, or we can't get rid of Karen because they do all these things for us. And, and I think, you know, he probably did a better job of that than anybody in the history of the sport, but he, he helped us enough that we took that same approach. And, and the way that you do that is quite honestly, is you build relationships like you you give more than you're getting, you know, they, in that contract, they expect you to do these things and you then go above and beyond that. And you give them extra feedback. Hey, I heard somebody complaining about this, you know, let's, let's talk, you know, what, what are we missing here? What, what can we do better there? And, and in doing that, ironically, I mean, I feel like the, some of our closest and best friends in the, in the world ended up being these people that, that work in these companies and who have taken care of us. And, you know, we went through the 2008, 2009 financial crisis in this country. Um, Mastercraft ended up basically furloughing was the term, you know, they, they laid off basically everybody in that company, except for like 26 employees while they restructured and, and went through some things. So they didn't have to do bankruptcy and that, but every single one of our other sponsors kept us and paid us through that time. And then 
as soon as Mastercraft got their restructure done, they came back and they not only came back, they back paid us for that time that we missed. And they did that for, for, I don't want to say all the athletes. They did that for, I'm going to say most of the athletes. I think there were a couple of athletes that didn't make it through that time. And, you know, that just was part of the business. But um, the point is, you know, the relationships and, and where we've gotten are really about that, um, just the human response and the human relationship of understanding that these people are are killing themselves to help us be better at what we want to be great at. And if we treat their companies the same way and we put in that same type of energy and effort to make their companies even more successful than they thought they could be, well, then, you know, rising tides raise all boats, right? So, um, but I, hands down, you know, I think our parents uh, have been amazing role models in, in terms of, you know, how you treat people. And, 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 you know, I always go back to our our parents with different questions than that. But Andy Mapple deserves a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of credit for helping us understand, you know, how to move from athlete to what I would kind of call more of a corporate athlete. Now, Karen, uh, let's uh, let let's go to go to you in the, in that in that respect. You know, with uh, sponsors and that kind of stuff and industry. Now, I don't know whether it would be fair to say that within that within the sport or within sports in general, uh, women athletes kind of get a raw deal. You know, in terms of uh, their their. Uh, uh, the the opp- the opportunities to to earn you know a somewhat decent living within the sport but i mean for the for the sponsors that you have that uh, that have that have supported you over year, over years you know kind of kind of tell us uh, how their involvement has has helped you i mean i i actually as far as like i mean my mastercraft um I, I mean, I, I was with I was with Mastercraft back. Uh, well, my my dad was a promotional um, driver. You know, my family we've always had Mastercraft. Jack True Love. Yes, and um, and so that's how you know. Growing up, I knew no other you know no other boat company. And then um, in '94, I believe, I finally got my own personal you know contract you know separate as my you know as my own you know my own. Was, he got the was, wakeboard boat. You yeah, got the. Yeah. Well, she Actually, was, at the she's, time, I was, it was before he yeah. signed on. So. so she was a year, year and a half before I signed yeah. on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so Karen's yes, the veteran in that. feather yeah. in my cap there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I, so I, you know, was technically signed on with them. Um, you know, and then when you, when that happens to you as a skier, especially, you know, back then, I mean, it was um, to like to land a boat contract, you know, I mean, it, it instills like a level of confidence, like, Hey, somebody, you know, believes in me enough to, you know, to support me and like, give me a boat. And, you know, so I mean, someone someone like a Sally field, like saying, you really love me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was like certainly a big, um, supporting stepping stone for me. But other than our ski contracts, which are separate, Every yeah. everything else that we've ever done, I mean, when we were with, uh, I won't mention the you know past wetsuit <laughs> companies. Everything that we've ever done, um, we have done together. It's it's kind of a package deal, right? And and the reason for that is when I designed, you know, when I designed the new eagle, helped to design the new eagle jumpsuit. 
Karen was giving feedback, right? Like she's involved in that process all the way along, obviously. So are all the guys, you know, Randy and Russell and Bob and all those guys. But my point being like, there's, there's, when I, if I'm going to go work on something for zero off, I got to have a test dummy. Right. And, you know, and Karen's the test dummy. And I mean, and she's, and, and the, the, the beautiful thing is none of the companies that we have worked with have have hesitate. They've never hesitated because if you have a 15 minute conversation with Karen, you understand very quickly. She's, I mean, she's 51% of the brains in this operation, right? Like they see that and they know that. So every contract that we've ever set up has always been under our corporation of TK ski with this knowing that, you know, Hey, Freddie can help you, but you're going to make it a whole hell of a lot further with Freddie and Karen, with both of us working together. And, and a lot of times it, you know, we would, it, it, we would do it almost like a two for one, you know, like, Hey, you'll get both of us, but you're, you know, you're only paying a little bit more, you know, kind of thing. But again, that's, that's in the beginning. And then as the relationship grows, um, and you know, even, you know, I get a lot of the credit, I always kind of say, as far as TK Ski goes, or, you know, when people think about the things that we do with MasterCraft, OJ, Innovation Controls, I tend to be the, the mouthpiece. You know, I'm the one up here yapping. But they don't realize that, you know, Karen is, is again, she's 50% of all the work that's going into all this. So when we're doing the engineering, you know, there's, again, I may be the kind of the point person for the communication of it. But then when we come back in and we've, we've, you know, she's sitting there with me, helping me figure out like, Hey, what do we, what do we do with this? If we change these variables, innovation, what are, what are the, the downsides? What did we, what did we break when we fix this? What did we break over here? And, you know, so there's, you know, to your point, I think if Karen had to go out on her own as a female and try to wedge in there, that would be harder, but it would be for me too, right? Like I, me by myself is, is a, is, you know, do I have an advantage? Absolutely. But it's the fact that it's, we're together. I mean, that's, that's, that's what made the dream work from the beginning and it's what's making it work today. All right then. That uh, yeah that 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 sounds like a that sounds like a very very good response. You know, I mean it's uh, I mean it seems like every every part every part of this you know it succeeds because you two are together and uh, you know two two are better than one. I guess it is. And it the the thing is that can be difficult with that. And and this is you know when Karen says you know it it's always an ongoing evolution when you. Obviously, we're raising our kids together and we are skiing together and training together and working together. And, you know, like there's it's this constant ebb and flow. And so there's you know, there's you know, I always tell people it's very dangerous to take the thing you love to do and then make it what you do for a living. But it can it is also the most rewarding part of that. Well, in a, from a relationship, from a marriage standpoint, you know, there's a lot that comes along with the fact that you are working together and training together and competing together and doing all those things together. But again, if boy, when you get the balance, right, you know, I, I feel like we have, you know, not to let the cat out of the bag, but I feel like we have it better than anybody else in the whole wide world. When we get that opportunity to experience every part of our lives together. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, but that evolution and that learning. And I mean, you know, there's probably a lot of mornings where Karen's getting up thinking, I don't want to go to work with this dingling. <laughs> <laughs> now you are right on one thing. You are certainly the mouthpiece in, in t- terms of the relationship. Now, what do you have to say in, in response to that? Come on. <laughs> About him being the mouthpiece? Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or being the dingling. <laughs> um, well, I can't disagree. I mean, he's definitely the 
the face of, um, I mean, you know, he's uh, always been a, uh, not afraid to speak his mind. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit more reserved and, you know, grew up a little more, uh, you know, you know, maybe just a little more conservative or something. I don't know. I mean, it's it might just be the the male female thing for the for the time that we grew up. Um, and you know, I mean, I mean, we're a good fit. I mean, it's okay. I, I don't mind. Um, you know, I don't mind him being more outspoken. I guess uh, you know than me. Um, I mean, if I have something to say, you know, I'll yeah. I'll kind of throw it out there. But you know, I mean, he does a. a you know, if I disagree, I'll speak up. Um, you know. I, I think he does a great job of of conveying the message and, you know, and I mean, it's, um, you know, I'm just feel fortunate to be able to, you know, have had all these years together and to continue to see what we can do. And, you know, I mean, it's been an amazing ride and, you know, it's not over yet. Um, <laughs> as far as, you know, as far as I know right now, sitting yeah. here today, yeah. you know, and um, I mean, it's, I think it's just always fun to see what you can do together. So, Okay. Okay, as as uh, begin to kind of wind up uh, the podcast, we're, uh, we're we're over an hour and thirty minutes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know getting oh, close to two hours, getting up. close to two hours now. You know, and it, it, it's just just been intriguing just listening to to both of you uh, give your takes as to as to what you've done and what you're currently doing. But let's look a little bit in the future. What what do you believe is going to occur? How do you see yourselves in five years' time? This was such a... I knew you were going to ask this question, uh, but and oh, I really I, don't have... Am I, am I that predictable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh, thank and you. I, I really don't have... I guess I don't really have a great answer um, for that. I mean... As far as skiing goes, I, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what to tell you, Tony. I mean, it's like, I wouldn't have thought I would have lasted this long. Um, I guess it just depends on like what carrot is still hanging out there for t- dangling in front of us. And, you know, and if we still feel like we want to keep going. I mean, I know that certainly we are at a time where, um, you know, the kids, our kids are changing so fast, uh, so much and so, you know, so fast. And I really want to be able to enjoy every second um of that that's that's really what my next five years looks like is 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 my kids um you know so i mean i guess that's really probably the best answer i could give is that you know i want to do you know i want to continue to try to be as healthy as we can um you know and be as happy as we can, not to be cliche, uh, and just enjoy the enjoy the time we have together because I know there's some you know some changes coming. Indeed, and what's your uh, contribution to the digital time capsule? Well, I think you know I, I do think that the as far as you know banging into ramps and and how long you can do that, we don't know what that timetable is exactly. Um, but I do think that there's you know we've been uh, in in a transition period as a, you know, as a sport and, and obviously as a couple within the sport, um, the kids are a huge dictator that, I mean, in five years, Dash will be a freshman in college. Right. Um, so that'll be, you know, something to deal with. And, um, I just, I, <laughs> for our entire career, we've, 
tried to sit down and lay out the plans. This is this is how we're going to you know do it. And there's the old saying that if you want to hear God laugh, you know, tell him your plans. And that's that's kind of what it always feels like. Is so, I think we have become very good at reacting to the environment around us as the climate changes you as you will. Um, but you know, I, I do have, um, you know, intentions over the next five years of continuing to, to grow, uh, our roles with, you know, the companies in the industry and, and, and try to keep building that we, this is, you know, this is what, where we want to stay connected to. Um, you know, this is a sport that we love, not only is because of, that we do it for a living, but it's, you know, again, it's what our kids are enjoying doing. It's, it's, you know, it's what we have been connected back to our greatest memories as kids. And we want to see that keep going forward. So I, I, I want to continue to build that part of it. Um, and then, you know, I, again, you know, I think Andy Mapple spoke a lot of wisdom, you know, and, and he said, you know, he always wanted to leave the sport in a better, uh, condition than he, than he found it. Um, and that's, I think that's, I know that was something that tore him up a little bit was that it, he, you know, it wasn't better off than when he found it kind of thing. And we've had to deal with that a little bit ourselves, but I guess what I would say is I want to make sure that we, you know, we want to keep the sport alive and keep it healthy and, and, and be a part of its continued progress for the generations to come. And so, you know, we want to stay connected to it. Well, okay then. We'll uh, we'll wind that up. It's uh, been an intriguing conversation with uh, with Freddy Krueger and uh, Karen Trulove here on this uh, episode of the uh, the TWBC podcast. Any any parting words uh, from from either of you uh, before we, uh, we we put a bow on this one? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it's been fun talking. I mean, it's been fun reminiscing. Reminiscing. Um, I appreciate you know you what you guys are doing with the of course with the webcasting and then the podcast you know it's great to listen to what you know what the other skiers you know getting kind of a glimpse into their lives and and also just helping uh you know helping us look back on you know our time together yeah um you know i would you know throw out there that uh probably one thing we didn't maybe touch on enough is um you know our family and friends and the you know mainly the family and how much our, like our parents on both sides have supported us um you know we talk about you know there were times very difficult decisions made when the, the boys were young as babies where you know maybe there's a tournament in Ukraine or whatever um where we had to rely on the parents or you know they would come down to the masters and you know here can you take care of dash or ridge well you know we try and go out here and win this tournament so um they've been an amazing part of uh, I mean, mm-hmm. really from, you know, start till still today. Um, so we want to thank them for all their time and energy that they've put in and, and helped us be able to not only get to the upper echelon of the sport, but then be able to stay there and, and help us through all these these years and difficult times and great times and everything in between. Definitely. All right, then. And that is the the, uh, the conclusion of this uh, episode of the TWBC podcast. Uh, my name is Tony Lightfoot. And uh, for Freddy Krueger and Karen Trolove, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. 
Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.